This is Restless. Pastor Michael, it's time again for Restless, the post-mortem on the young Restless and Reformed. And we are about to do something for the last time here on Restless. The last time. Here we, we go. Uh, this is the rise and fall of Mars Hill reactions. This is this is the last <laughs> episode we will do on the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And we make that promise as much and as firmly as Mars, the show itself, the rise and fall of Mars Hill finished when they put out their final episode of the series and so- <laughs> proceeded to release an equal number of bonus episodes after after the fact yes so if we ever come back to it don't be surprised but we can i think consider this our our final the the rise and fall of the rise and fall of mars hill and so um in fact we do know a lot of people do listen for that exact reason we are going to um we are going to on our patreon review all of the bonus episodes similar to how we did the episodes maybe a little bit different perhaps even spicier as it were however um we want our feed here uh to be able to do more than just this which means we do understand if we lose we lose some <laughs> we're gonna we know that listeners. some of you are just here for this but that's okay we still but don't love worry. you anyway we have fun things coming like the origin story of tgc we'll review some of the good faith debates of TGC. Oh, finally. Fine. Which, <laughs> finally. I forgot that we were going to do that. <laughs> oh. And 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 if you're leaving, stick around for the 12 days of restless this year because this I be do fun. promise we are going to have a great time. It's restless but every day and uh with more eggnog. And and I have been Now please feel free to submit to me uh articles or videos for us to react to. I have a collection of fairly bonkers articles and videos already for us that will deal with anti-Calvinists, all all kinds of of wild stuff uh, along the way, and we will probably do some some even some giveaways during that wonderful time of year. The calendar that we all recommend, which is of course the Twelve Days of Restless. Um, now. We have done all of the actual episodes of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill on our feed. In fact, we've also done their interview with Tim Keller, and we did their special interview with Joshua Harris, because obviously both of those have some special relationships to the YRR that were very uh, related to what we're doing. Now, our podcast is the true flagship reaction to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. There's nobody who's done it like us. This I, is, I can, this is our biggest that. critique of what Mike Cosper has put together. We weren't referenced once. That's come on, right. Mike. Come on, come on. We've That's been doing right. this. We we started doing this, what, a year before the rise and fall of Mars Hill came out. So, right. I mean, we've we've been in this and right. not even not even anything from you. Uh, Mike but Cosper, that's okay. We know you listen. We know you listen. You are welcome on the show. Um, we would it would we would make it a good time but i cannot say we are the only people who have been reacting to the rise and fall of mars so we might be the people we might still be we might be the only people still reacting to the rise (laughs) and fall of mars hill but (laughs) this um, is very possible but the amount of 
podcasts and tweets and articles that were written along the way to the rise and fall of Mars Hill has been huge. Yeah, um, this was definitely a, a phenomenon within the the evangelical world, which is why we have not yet said this, Matt, but uh, we do have a pretty massive giveaway that we have to talk about right. as we begin the show before everybody starts falling off. That's um, right. And it, so we, we do want to celebrate here the end of our rise and fall of Mars Hill uh, reviews, which we will be covering some key reactions um, to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And by the way, please stick around to the end. We are going to watch a clip of Mark Driscoll, which I believe was basically completely motivated by him listening to this podcast. And so there's <laughs> that's nothing, coming up. There's nothing you'll want more than to stick around till the end. But we want to celebrate the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And so we we're going to do this giveaway in two ways. We're still giving away things from um, uh, the the Reformation Day special we did, which was big and huge already. But we want to do giveaways this way. So first, we know, Pastor Michael, from what I understand, you just have a huge pile of stuff we have to give away, correct? I have a pile of things left over that we have not given away yet. Um, this is some items that literally don't exist anywhere else. These are one-of-a-kind, restless prototype swag items, as well as other things, um, like we've got a, a book for instance, from our friend Rob McKenzie, friend of the show. We've got a whole bunch of restless stickers. And I'm going to take all of these things. We've got uh, a prototype of the, the Genesis 315 socks. We've got an early version. I don't think this has actually changed, but it is just a, a prototype that we got of the Ecclesiology Matters shirt. It is a medium. That's all I got. So, <laughs> so that's what right. is going to be in this particular lot. Um, and then again, tons of stickers, including stickers that don't exist and are not for sale anywhere. They these again are prototypes that we got early on to decide what we wanted to do. And so, so we've just got a lot of one of a kind, rare, restless swag that's that right. I want somebody to have. So, that's how are right. we going to give it away, Matt? So we we will come up with. Think of one other way, but here's the main way we're going to give it away. Every single person who joins the Patreon before the end of the year will be given a piece of this restless swag. Every single person who joins from uh, the year in the who continues to join our Patreon in the year of our Lord, 2022. Every single Patreon we have will be entered to win one grand prize. We don't know exactly what that grand prize will be. We're yet. working. I I think I have an idea of what the grand prize oh, will I, be. We're working on some new restless swag for Christmas. Ooh. And I think that so somebody is going to get uh the first of our restless Christmas swag. So um that is that is the grand prize. So again, if if you sign up for Patreon, we're we're gonna keep reviewing the bonus episodes of the rise and fall of Mars Home. If you sign up for the Restless Patreon, um, you will automatically, we're going to send you one of these pieces of, of swag. We've got a bunch. Um, I've, I've got a pile of stuff. And so this could cover a lot, a lot of people. And if we run out of it to give to you, because so many people sign up for the Patreon, we will gladly find some more. <laughs> we will gladly get you something. And then everybody that is on our Patreon, all of our patrons, 
one of you is going to win the first Restless Christmas swag as a grand prize. And we will also give away uh, one of these pieces of Restless merch to the person who shares this episode, tags us, and they whoever gets the most likes, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. So we don't tend to have a lot of people who share these things on the internet so this is probably a pretty easy way to win if you don't want to pay the three bucks to join the patreon and the reason we don't have a lot of people shared online is because we don't even do a good job of sharing these episodes we're bad at online. this we're bad at this we want to be better but also we're not <laughs> so we are at this point willing to send you things in the mail if you will share if, this yes. online first. if you only share the show because we keep forgetting yeah we will send you something so, Pastor Michael, let's look at some of the reactions to this show. We, I have some from listeners that we've been sent, and we have a few articles. So let's start with um, one article. Oh, will you let me share my screen so you can just, see what I'm looking at? Just pulled it. I was just doing it, so you're good Perfect. to go. Um, I don't know. I'll just, I'll do my I've got the articles, now. too, if it's... Okay. Yeah. Um, so go so the first i want to go with one of the articles first because i think this article really highlights what we might call an entire genre of reaction to the rise and fall of mars hill and so this article is called the unintended consequences of failure porn so i would i would describe one overall reaction to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, and maybe one we have at times even considered ourselves, is is it is it actually healthy for all of us to listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill as it's being produced? And he's saying we can find this kind of genre in reality TV, celebrity gossip, right? He doesn't mention this, but right, we can find this kind of thing in in true crime, right? And it's this idea of like, Everyone is seemingly, in this author's mind, too excited to listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Like, that people, for some reason, people are very interested in what happened at Mars Hill. And, and, and there's, he feels there's some way that it is actually unhealthy how much people like listening to this, right? Um, and so he... Uh, I think this is actually the tweet that caused the person to write the article. Uh, this person says, there's a fine line between cautionary tales and failure porn, and it's mainly your own heart. We must be humble, not gloat at the fall of others, and realize we are capable ourselves. Now, that person says um, the 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 problem is in our heart. But, Pastor Michael, what do you think of this um, this, this idea, this I don't know. Again, it's this like, because again, as we've said, there's an agenda behind this, but this is an entertainment product, right? Yeah. yeah, no doubt. And one of the hard things today, and we've talked about this, just having a podcast of our own and um, realizing that people only listen if it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, Like you can only actually uh, do it a, in a valuable way, it seems, if it has an entertainment element to it and so i this is hard for me um just the uh, on the one hand to try to parse out um where is it bad because it's 
we're doing it for entertainment. That's a little bit, it's a little bit of a fuzzy gray area to me, but on just the area of, hey, people love too much to watch big name celebrity types fall apart, right? Like their lives fall apart, their relationships fall apart, their church fall apart in this particular situation, right? Here's somebody who was incredibly popular, uh, at least in certain circles, was incredibly well-known, was a, a Christian celebrity of a kind. And to watch that person fall apart and fail and watch what they do fail, um, that can easily become, I think, something that you could glory in, in a sense, from a distance. Uh, and for various reasons, right? Maybe you think, well, I'm, you know, I am right. I'm the, I am better than them, right? Like, here's this person that makes me feel insecure myself, uh, but I am better because look at what they did. Look at how they failed. Um, so that's at least one way that I could see that happening, right? It's, I mean, it's the, you know, it's a crabs in a bucket thing, right? Everybody loves to tear somebody else down, especially if that person is is seemingly in a, a higher position than them. Right. So do you think... I don't... I Again, we can someday do an episode on the helpfulness of introspection. Because again, like at some point, I'm like, what? Am, why do I, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, like I, it's very easy for me. Like, well, I do a podcast that people have said is helpful. My, you know, like it's very right. easy for me to like deflect with that. I don't, I don't know if my interest in this is healthy or not. I, I really like, I don't even know how I would determine that. Mm. Right. Like I have a desire to listen to it. And everyone's like, well, some people who listen to it, it might be a good way. And some it's bad. I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I know I, I want to consume this entertainment. I do think there's something valuable in doing it. I don't know if it's good or bad. Right. Like I, I don't have much. And I do think I was once on um, actually the Presby cast with R. Scott Clark and someone actually brought up this idea. and. He made a very interesting comment. He said, well, then a lot of church history would just be learning from church history would just be would be this would that's all that would be. This is right. exactly what I was thinking as well um, when I, I was reading through these articles. And when this article first came out, I read it because it was being shared around all over the place. But I thought the same thing when I uh, first read this and when I was thinking about it again earlier today when I was preparing for this episode that. Like there are so many, it seems like part of the difference is that between this and church history is that this is ongoing, right? You don't have the same perspective that maybe time gives you, but that's it. You know, like that's, uh, at least that's the, the, the major difference now, you know, when you do have something that is, it is highly produced for entertainment value in order to make money talking about this. I do think that adds a different kind of element yes, to it. Right. And so that I don't know exactly how to break that down, but I do think that there could be something to a uh, critique of that method. I, yeah. I do think the difference again becomes in 
Right. When people are retelling the lives of saints and controversies with the Arians and Luther and the good and the bad and the ugly. Again, that's very different than. And let me pause for an ad break for better help. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> and, and, and we've even talked about. Have you even, seen The Chosen yet? Have yeah. You? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, get ready for Winsome Winter when we uh, lovingly discuss that wonderful television show. Um, <laughs> I think, right. We've even talked about the the problematic nature of, and, it, and it's obviously very popular in political podcasts, is we've talked about jokingly and seriously talking about bringing sponsors on the show, never ever wanting in-show ad breaks, because there there is something that seems inherently degrading to discussion to be like, we are talking about something very serious for the church, or in their case, this person's dealing with their trauma. Yeah. Let's take a break to hear from Purina dog food, right? <laughs> or like, you know, like there were definitely like some insurance companies yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think so. I have no problem, by the way, I have no problem with Christian today making this and then making money on it, right? right? Advertising to make money, especially if they're companies that they like. I, you know, I mean, I might have some qualms with some of the people they chose and companies they chose, but, uh, but just as a general rule, I have no problem with that. Uh, like you said, we've talked about it. And, you know, if we were better at at social media and other things, uh, we maybe would have been on it much sooner uh, looking for some advertisers and things like that to partner because it does increase what we're able to do and accomplish if we can have uh, some revenue. This is one of the reasons we started the Patreon uh, because we have lots of other ideas that we'd like to branch out with, but um, it, you know, it, it it's something that uh, would take some money. And so we need to somehow find a way to raise funds to do those things. Um, and so I have no problem just on that level. Like, can you make money on a podcast? Sure. I think that's great. We do it. <laughs> so if I said it was bad of Christian today, I'd, I'd be a bit of a hypocrite. Uh, but you are right. I think right. this You'd goes to, to um, you know, if you just, said that was bad, sorry, you'd have to report on yourself. Yeah. If you said that was, bad. I, would, I would have to report on myself. Um, we would have to do a whole episode about it. <laughs> um, oh. Anyway, we, we will get to that. But uh, this seems to me to, uh, you know, this goes to like a, a, a principle from like amusing yourself to death where you have everything becoming entertainment where it, where you get to the point when news itself is just entertainment. And so you can have people on the nightly news talking about the like coming nuclear apocalypse that might happen. And then a second later in advertisement for, you know, come on down to Burger King. Right. And like, it just, it does, it trivializes what's going on. It trivializes the conversation, which is why, like you said, you and I had this conversation a long time ago when, when we said, Hey, would we ever like reach out to people to advertise? We said maybe, but never to have in podcast ad breaks because it just cuts off the conversation. It I mean, This is how I feel when I'm listening to a podcast and it just cuts to an ad. I just, it just cuts it off to me. It, I stop thinking about it. It, right. it doesn't allow for the same level of interaction. It, it inherently, it inherently turns exactly what you're doing into an entertainment product exactly it trivializes it it, it trivializes is no longer church history which again there is value to and there is a there is 
again, it's again, not that there shouldn't be profit, there shouldn't be money, right? To do in-depth journalism, there needs to be money coming from somewhere, right? So you have to generate it. Um, but I do think that there is at least this article, I think, points out the danger of of this model. Now, I think there's another article. The other two articles, um, I'll just say I liked uh, both of these other two articles that I've been sent. Again, we're just looking at a, a, a just a wide swath because we're going to get to some listener comments and we're going to get to Driscoll's reaction as well. And you'll have links to these, right? So everybody, right. you can go and look at these, um, what we're right. referencing Be- these different articles. In the, the previous article I mentioned, um, they discuss uh, what he discusses, the dangers of consuming this kind of failure porn. And some of the dangers he lists we would probably agree with our dangers and yep. some we wouldn't agree. Like the wholesale uh, getting rid of the giant church model of, <laughs> you know, we, we may think that might be good okay riddance. <laughs> we might be okay with putting that. Um, so this guy, this article is called what the rise and fall of Mars Hill misses. And so what he noted is it seems like the, what I'm just going to, again, you can read the whole article. He says there is a distinct lack of substantive Christian uh, backdrop yes. that yes, they of course call the things he did sin. They call it wrong. Right. But he, he mentions that the, the issue, as he says it, let me read it at the end and then, and, and pastor Michael, you can share some of your thoughts then on it is, he says, um, maybe in the end, this is simply an impasse embedded with any institution that seeks to advocate for evangelicalism as a whole, right? This huge, wide, what is it even at this point kind of thing. But even so, it seems to me that prestige, prestige podcasts like the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, untethered from any particular theological core that would allow them to articulate a distinctively confessional argument, carry with them a subtle danger, right? Because they're unwilling to tether themselves to some kind of specific, distinctly Christian conviction about how they're going to critique this and go forward. They're missing something, right? Um, anyway, so what do you, what do you think about, about this critique? I think it's right on the money um, in, in what you hear from this podcast. It is, clearly not coming from a foundation where it can clearly call things out, right? So we've talked about this with the issues of ecclesiology. They can't say anything about the ecclesiology because it is the ecclesiology. The ecclesiology at Mars Hill is the ecclesiology of almost everybody that reads Christianity today or listens to, in this case, Christianity today. So those who support it, like they can't call it out. And it's probably the ecclesiology of most of the people that are making this material that are involved in getting the interviews and and editing it together and, and producing it. So you can't bring those up because you have this, hey, we're all, we're all one, right? We're trying to represent this, this large group. Now, they did try to come at it, it's seemingly, um, against uh, complementarianism at various yes. times. However, even that, they tried to hedge it different Correct. ways, right? They, they tried to make that fit, too. Like, oh, we can all kind of get along here as well. And so 
uh, ultimately what it did come down to, to try to find, hey, where can we find that thing that we can say with some authority, but we can't make biblical statements with authority because what if, you know, all of these other listeners wouldn't agree with this? They had to come down to basically pop psychology, right? Just modern, you know, psychological treatments of this is what is going on. Um, and actually they didn't focus as much time on, they did talk about abuse and things like that, but they didn't talk about it as much in terms of this is why this is sinful and wrong as much as look at the bad consequences or look at how people were hurt by these things. Right. Not again, not as much. Here's the law. Here's the the truth of God's word and what he's revealed about what he requires for us. And here's where this does not match up. That's right. And I actually think while we aren't necessarily the best podcast or the best produced podcast, I actually think this is the thing you person listening like about the reviews we're doing of their episodes is we come self-consciously and openly. Here's our theological and biblical perspective. And we're going to filter this through that. Right. I think that's actually what people appreciate about what we're doing. This is what we've been told, right? This is what we've been told over and over. And we have people that listen from a wide variety of theological backgrounds. And yet to have just a clear, here's what we think. You can disagree with it, but it's an actual statement. Right. And 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 then it, it allows you to disagree. And I, it also allows you, again, it. I think that part of the subtle danger, if we want to use that, you know, what a great, you know, what a great way to, refer to things the subtle everything's a subtle danger you know it's just a great thing but right what it is part of what it is is if you don't make those your statements like that just very direct and clear actually i it is almost it even if they don't mean it to be it's manipulative right because we say hey we're reformed we're presbyterian here's our problem if you're not that you go wow they're making a good point and i can also think about why i di disagree with that right we critique a thing they don't critique, right? The charismaticism that was inherent in this system. Mm -hmm. And we have people who we have had many people who are charismatics reach out and talk and, and disagree and, and but agree that there were abuses, but disagree with some of our conclusions. But we're upfront, right? We are upfront with that and allow you to consider it in a very direct and, um, you know, in, in that way. Yeah, I've said this before, the, the nature of most evangelical communication, even on a personal level, is, I think, inherently manipulative because of some of the reasons you're stating. Yeah. Um, so sorry, not sorry, I guess, as we say. Uh, so the last article I just want to briefly look at um, before we get to some of our own listener reactions was an article, I think we'd actually get along with whoever wrote this. I don't know much about the For the Gospel website. Hope you guys are good guys. Um, it's a little bit close to, uh, I mean, it, you know, it feels like you're maybe an off-brand together for the gospel or gospel coalition, but uh, we, we love you guys. I think this is a great article by Jesse Randolph, and it's The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, Compliments and Cautions. So he basically offers three compliments and three cautions. So first, he says it's incredibly well-produced. No one's debating. No one's arguing that. Um, obviously, the only quibble I have with that is that because of how it is, how the how they work through the story, 
it's not chronological. It makes it very hard to understand what, how Driscoll's attitude or what his teaching might relate to any point they're in. Right. And so I think there are difficulties there, but it, no one argues that it's great. Well-produced um, it spotlights the toxic blend of the ambitious church planner, Mark Driscoll um, with the obvious pride and the church structure, right? Yes, of course. Uh, that is a, a notable thing. Um, and then it says it's the, the podcast is truly about Mars Hill as an institution, um, not just about Mark Driscoll as the person. Then they mentioned, I'm not sure uh, that's true, by the way, that I, was the I, one, when I read I, this article, I was like, I'm not sure that that one is actually on the money uh, because I think this mostly was about Mark Driscoll. Mm -hmm. There were plenty right. of, I mean, you know, they've brought up at different times, they brought up Bill Hybels um, very briefly. They've, they've done others, I guess they've talked about others, but right. it seems to me that uh, if Driscoll had not been the one involved in this, I'm just not sure that it would have garnered the attention that it did. I mean, Driscoll was, a, I mean, he was a lightning rod of a man is a lightning rod of a man. Um, right. And so he has that effect, whatever that effect is, that Trump effect, um, right. where people just can't not talk about you. Right, right. And then they get to um, some of the the issues. I actually have no idea if these guys, what these guys' theological perspective is, but it says, so their first concern is that it is um, an obvious bias against Reformed theology. Um, and they actually say, you know, many people find it really difficult to explain what Reformed theology is in one sentence. Go listen to our episode on that. Um, and we will do it expertly. No worries here. But what I think is is a good point is that, at, and I think this, again, comes from one of the other issues we point out is, at best, the podcast attempts to draw a connection to between Driscoll's Reformed theology, if it could be called that, and his personal foibles represent sloppy journalism. Um, and I think they're right about that, not because you couldn't attempt to do that, but because, again, because they refuse to have a quote unquote distinct perspective, they they're they're unable to like have to bring like they're unable to connect election and all like really make the case firmly for how those things connect. You'd have to do a lot more work to make that connection than they yep. do. Um, so Mars, the rise and fall of Mars Hill is far from precise in its treatment of the relationship between how Mark viewed and preached on male female roles of husband and wife relations and what the Bible clearly teaches on the matters. Um, this is, again, this is a thing that is the thing that probably made us sound the most like Mars, uh, Mark Triscoll defenders, is that, right, these episodes, they would just, they would kind of spray out, like, here's Driscoll saying 10 pretty horrible things from the pulpit you'd never want to hear. And then here's him saying things about the husband acting like a pastor and a dad and a leader of the home. And yep. male-only eldership. <laughs> right. And so it was this like, and and it and it represented every offhanded comment by Driscoll as like both representative of what he deeply held and complementarianism. Hmm. Right. It was all it was just all one thing, right? And yep. so to actually try and work through, like we need more than like he said it was a joke, but it probably wasn't. Like we need a lot if you want to deal with what he actually thinks about men and women, there's a ton more 
that he taught and talked about that is just that is left out. And again, I'm not saying it's all good. It obviously wasn't. But it's but again, I think that the word they used was a pretty good word. It was very imprecise. Hmm. Even even some of the worst stuff in real marriage, right? They don't bring that out. And I don't want to talk about that now because it's <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, uh, but I don't really want to talk about that ever. <laughs> right? Maybe we'll end up having to do it in the life of this podcast. But yep. And so the final thing is that they say basically this comes from Christianity Today. And because they're trying to um, to create a big tent and appeal to Christians of all shapes and sizes, various forms of aberrant technology uh, of aberrant theology have made, it, made its ways into its pages and productions like this. Um, and so I do think we certainly believe Christianity Today has shown its hand in this podcast. While really thinking they hadn't. That's what's know, hilarious that's, about it. We love it. Yep. <laughs> it's like the guy at the poker table who is obviously bluffing. Like he has an obvious tell, but he really doesn't think he does. That's Christianity Today with this podcast. <laughs> like I'm, we're not going to show exactly what we're doing, but you are. Everybody sees it. We all know. Right. Definitely. And so I do think... Um, yeah, let me read a few of the, the kind of listener reactions we got. Um, so first of all, they, this is one that the reason it brought to my mind is that it says like, uh, if they're talking about Christianity today's role, this person told us Christianity today needs to be treated as a hostile witness in the series. Uh, they've gone very leftward in their acceptance of liberal theology and they mask it as many do through the just asking questions. Oh, what a typical, typical technique. And they're using subtle language regarding what is and is not acceptable, right? And they say the example we often provide is the the criticism they highlight of Rachel Held Evans and never really giving John MacArthur the kind of say that um, he certain like that he made public from the beginning of this whole thing and when they did we've talked about this but when they did mention john MacArthur, it's with all these layers of you know what's crazy about his critiques is that he and driscoll are the same kind of bigot you know like that that's how it sounded anyway and then when it was rachel held evans it was she was this innocent perfect person and her critique was right on and that was it right um yeah and and so the another another set of reactions we got from listeners was People um, sharing uh, or people who kind of early on saw this that weren't mentioned. And I can't believe I never mentioned this one. So I'm really glad this person uh, mentioned this. Some of the best criticisms of Driscoll I've come across were from Pastor Chris Roseborough of Pirate Christian Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, he documented a great deal of the issues and theological ones that Driscoll had. That might be, other than John MacArthur, the first person I ever heard being um, super critical of Driscoll. Um, Chris Roseborough is a Lutheran pastor and he runs a podcast where he just uh, it's just all like polemics against mega church. And he specifically is against like he works against all kinds of prosperity like this kind of um, and, it, and it's really good stuff. Um, and most people, I think, and at least I have right. You listen to him for a while. But again, eventually you kind of 
it's it's helpful. Eventually, you mature and you understand what's wrong with these things, and you kind of, it, it, at least in my experiences, I no longer needed to listen to pirate Christian radio like review another mega church pastor preach as a vision casting leader and understanding what's wrong with that. But if you've never listened to his stuff, he was he saw all of these kinds of tendencies in Driscoll, the vision casting leader issues he saw, the charismatic. I get to hear messages from God and tell you what to do, right? He picked up all of, on all of this very early. Um, and so he kind of, he saw it all coming. Uh, they mentioned Phil Johnson um, because obviously he's an associate of, and we've mentioned him associate of John MacArthur um, and him talking about the uh, Driscoll's language. But he says, but a lot of the people, um, and this is how Driscoll was defended to people like Phil Johnson and, John MacArthur is, well, he's preaching the gospel. So we should probably be willing to tolerate the other stuff. Um, and he was dealing with issues that other people in the church weren't willing to address. And so even if he's doing it a little bit wrong, come on, he's, pre he's, he's really bringing the gospel and he's talking about things you aren't talking about, Phil. And I'm sure you remember, I remember feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why I really like this feedback. What do you think of looking back now, Pastor Michael? What do you think about this this kind of early defense of him? And I one I certainly would have given. Yeah, it is a common defense. Number one, right? The defense of well, they're preaching the gospel, so we should be okay with that, right? And that holds some weight to me. I mean, it does it does uh, make me want to be slow to critique someone. Now mm -hmm. the, you hear this on the rise of fall of Mars Hill, but I, I think also you do notice this um, over time that if you listened to a lot of Driscoll, there was gospel there, but it really was not the majority of what he was preaching. Right. He preached in such a way to actually heap great burdens upon people um, and it was not simply gospel. And so, you know, there's one of those things that, uh, you know, what does it mean to preach gospel? What, what does it mean that he was gospel preaching? You know, was he really, even if somebody is preaching the gospel, if they are in other ways teaching false things, there's nothing wrong with calling that out. And so, to defend somebody on this line, I think is to, to assume that to call somebody out for something wrong, they're saying while they're also preaching the gospel in some sense would detract from their preaching of the gospel. But if this person is truly seeking to honor Christ, having criticism from somebody that they maybe shouldn't say certain things about Song of Solomon, because that's not quite right, or whatever it may be, that that doesn't detract from gospel preaching. That doesn't take away the gospel preaching. It may take away some of those things that are not gospel preaching. And so that's yeah. actually a good thing. That's that's not a real, in other words, it's not, it shouldn't be a real critique. And any of us who do preach the gospel, as I do, we should be willing to hear people if they come to us and say, hey, you really like you've been saying this, that really is not consistent with the word of God. We should at least be willing to hear that out. Now, 
obviously there's going to be times when that's said that we disagree and have to just continue to uh, proclaim things as we have been. But it seems to me that that that's not really a, a good critique. Now, on the he's talking about things that no one else is. I think that there is. I want to be careful because I don't like in any way defending Driscoll. I know you That's always put me in this position. And, and, <laughs> and when we do our brief yay nay or nuance in this episode, we are going to talk about us apparently being Mark Driscoll stands throughout this entire <laughs> review. So we'll we'll get there, but maybe we have been do it one more time. Do there one, is there is truth time. to this. There is truth to this in that if there is somebody who is actually trying to apply the word of God to the lives of the people of God and not simply preaching on the level of esoteric theology. And I'm not trying to diminish theology, by the way. I'm not trying to diminish theological preaching. I think that you know what I mean. I think that you know how many sermons you you listener out there. Uh, I think you know how many sermons you've been to that you left and you thought, there's nothing there for me. Right. And maybe like there's times you do that and it's because of your own sinful heart and you're wrong. Right. But there's also times because there was nothing there for you. There was, it was not the word of God being brought to bear upon your life. Right. It was or just thought, a, oh, that guy was smart. You yeah, know, like, exactly. Uh, exactly. It was, it was just a lecture of some kind rather than the actual preaching of the word of God for the people of God, delivering God's word to his people, his living word. That is to bring about life in them. And so when there are guys who even attempt in, in a culture, especially in the reformed world, in the reformed evangelical world, where uh, things do tend to be more along the lines of like a, a theological lecture as opposed to preaching the word of God to the people of God, when that when that is the culture overall and somebody comes into that, who does actively try to apply these things in very direct ways, like practical hands-on, like this is how this works out kind of ways. I'm not saying that he did a good job at that, but the guy who does that, generally speaking, I do think is going to gain an audience. I think right. he's like, people are going to listen to him and it will be hard when the options are, the guy who gives me this academic lecture from the pulpit that he says I'm supposed to be really into, but I'm not versus the guy who, yeah, he says a lot of kind of vulgar things and he's a little extreme and, and he says some things I don't even agree with, but he's actually pointing me in the direction of how this is, is the meaningful word of God for my life. But that guy taught me how to pray for my kids this week in his sermon, right? Like it's right. like, Oh, Wow. <laughs> wow that that guy said i have things that i have to do in the city and in the church wow right and those again the obviously there's the danger i want to get to this gospel preaching uh defense because i do think this comes up all over this is the like this is the like standby defense of anything well they're, preaching, they're preaching the gospel you know like and and worse people are given this defense than driscoll like People attempt to defend people like like Joel Osteen with this. Like, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, 
are they're, hearing they're hearing God's word. They're and, hear- <laughs> so let's be careful before we we roast them. And I will not be careful in that way. I, I'll just put it this way, because I actually realized that the Bible doesn't actually think you preaching the gospel is a defense of anything about you. So mm. what I'm talking about is in Philippians one, Paul says these, this is, this is three verses. And, and I want to get this because I just, I want to help our listeners never fall for this as a defense again. He says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here as an in prison for defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking they afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So here's what Paul says, right? Paul is in prison and he says there are people out there and they're preaching. And he's, you know, the the Philippians who love him are worried about what this means for the ministry of the gospel. And they know that there are people who hate Paul who are showing up and starting to preach the gospel. And there are people of goodwill. Paul says, I rejoice that the gospel is being preached everywhere in all ways. But you know what he says? He says, well, those people are liars who are preaching the gospel, right? He in no way is, he doesn't believe the fact that they're willing to preach the gospel is a defense of their character at all, Mm. right? It's actually a discredit to them, right? That they, that they are going to preach the gospel to try, as they say, to afflict him, right? Paul says, those people are only doing this to afflict me. And so he says, of course, I rejoice that the gospel is being preached. But the fact that someone is preaching the gospel is not a defense of them or their ministry at all. And so we should, yes, if you meet someone and you will meet people who are saved through wildly unbiblical methods, even people like Joel Osteen, many people like Mark Driscoll, right, brought to the Reformed faith like I was, that's not a defense of anything they do or who they are. And so I think we just Mm. need... This is why I think this is the alt. This is the killer to this defense. Well, they're preaching the gospel. Yeah, well, people were preaching the gospel in Paul's day to try and hurt the apostle. So yeah. I'm happy the go- people heard the gospel from this, but that doesn't mean we should do it, right? Yes. Because what you would have to defend at that point is, well, yeah, I guess it's okay sometimes to really try and hurt Paul for the sake of the gospel. <laughs> Wrong. Right. Yeah, no. So uh, they preach the gospel. Praise God. I wish they would just preach it to themselves, too. <laughs> you know, like, I'm glad people are hearing the gospel. Now I right. want them to. Right. Um, which obviously also means there are unsaved people preaching the gospel, friends. Um, so um, speaking of the gospel, uh, we had a person tell us we have too reductive view of the gospel. So when we did our final discussion of if christianity today knows the gospel right when they're ending with the episode we had one person tell us that um that their editorial ending that god still exists right rather than a call to repentance at mars hill right that they're saying that and tgc leaves it out to be cool like they're like man you guys noticed that well done another person did not give us a tip of the hat or a pat on the shoulder pastor michael they think we're too reductive. We 
have reduced the gospel down to something too short. Um, and Mark Driscoll and company were saying the exact same stuff as the gospel is what we were. The problem is this canned response we gave of forgiveness of sins and heaven isn't the only thing Jesus said and isn't helping many broken people become more Christ-like. And, and even if we were right, Christianity today wouldn't disagree with what we were saying. They are just taking a more holistic look at the gospel. Pastor Michael, do you want to respond to this? I'm certain well-meaning well-meaning critique of us in yeah. our reflection. Yeah, I take that well. I mean, I, you know, um, no, no harm, no foul on this side. I, you know, I understand how you could think that, especially, you know, um, if you haven't listened to our episodes about, about gospel centeredness, <laughs> right. but I mean, everything has been turned the gospel, right? We have, we have turned everything the gospel, but um, the gospel in scripture, like the, the message that is called the good news. What is the good news? What, what, you know, the, the feet that bring good news, what is that news that they're bringing? Um, it's, it is not simply there is a God. It's not, that's not, I mean, everybody knows that that's what Paul says. And it's not, there's a God and he wants good for you, right? It's not even that. Right. It's not, it's not at all. Right. The, the message that is termed the gospel in scripture. Yes, it is true that we could go into more detail than saying simply the gospel is that Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God died on the cross. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead for the forgiveness of sins for all who believe, right? We can say it like that. And it is true that we could elaborate on that a lot, right? There's way more to be said about the details of the gospel, but that is the the core message that we call the gospel. And so um, it's, you know, it's not to say that there are not other elements of the Christian life of the the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings, of the the sanctification that takes place because of the way the Word of God uh, works on us, or the the way that because the gospel is preached and God has redeemed a people and forgiven them and he unites them to Christ and therefore they are all united together in Christ and they are now one. And now that one body of people has fellowship and unity and they love each other and they forgive each other because they've been forgiven. And so there's all kinds of other elements. There's other fruit that come from the gospel. There's there's so much more that can be said. What we mean to say when, when we're talking about this, we're not saying there's nothing else to be taught from scripture. There's no other element of Christ saving work that we can talk about. There's so much more actually. I mean, there's so much more that I preach almost every week you know, uh, between me and the senior pastor and Matt currently uh, preaching at our church, uh, we we don't run out, right? We're never, I'm not worried that I will ever run out. And that if I preach every moment for the rest of my life that I would ever run out for things to say, having to do with that central work that Christ has done. But when we're trying to just define what the gospel is, and if we're pro- proclaiming the gospel, especially in a shortened way when we have, hey, we've got four minutes, five minutes at the end of a podcast where we're going to give the gospel. 
the that is what the message is. It is the message right. of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. Right. Yes. Um, so we need to move to our yay, nay, or nuance because we still haven't even heard Mark Driscoll's reaction. Uh, let me give you one piece of advice if you're a pastor. We in one episode talk about like how do we think about what's appropriate to say in the pulpit and what's not. And I think a, pa- a pastor responded, and I'm just so happy he did, because if you're young like me, here's what he said. If it shouldn't be said in front of your entire family, you don't say it from the pulpit. What a great rule of thumb. That's a great rule of thumb. Um, and so you should be comfortable reading all the Bible in front of your whole family and teaching that in a way for the whole family. So, Pastor Michael, let's do we're going to save our yay, nay or nuances for a bonus that we will release. Uh, we will do, do that for the patrons. Um, and those will be fun because we will talk about if we were the true defenders of Mark Driscoll. Um, and even if we think the overall podcast was beneficial to the YRR, this podcast being produced, because we have, again, some important Driscoll business and we can't we can't leave it behind. because. Mark Driscoll obviously has never acknowledged this podcast existed, right? Because this is, uh, whether Mark Driscoll's a good guy, bad guy or not, this is the way they've learned to handle these these subjects, isn't it, right? You never, you never admit it exists. This is an infuriating, by the way. It's infuriating that, that like, that's the way people handle it. But also, is it? maybe the better option if you're trying to get out of it, right? Like if you're right. trying to just get it behind you, oh, it's it got to be is. the right option. Oh, it certainly is. But I think, congratulations to you, Mike Cosper. I think they got to him. Oh, I there's no they, doubt. I mean, there's no doubt that it's not going to get to him at some I think point. He, well, no, I think he, I think he listened to it, right? If they're right that he's a narcissist, he certainly listened oh, to yeah. it, right? But... I think it got to him and he decided he needed to address this from the pulpit um, or address a controversy from the pulpit. Now, I will note um, Sutton Turner, who did appear in the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, has said everything Driscoll's about to say is a lie. So we are in a bit of a uh, he said, he said. So some of this you will have heard from the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. But this is again, this is like from like two or a month ago at the church where he's a pastor. And so this is in his sermon, right? This is in his sermon. So here we go. We're going to listen to how Pastor Mark Driscoll was reacting to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Some years ago, um, we were in a season where massive media firestorm, lots of conflict and controversy. Um, said, okay, investigate everything. I know I'm not disqualified. I know who I am. I can't wait to stand before Jesus. It's going to be a great day for me. Not that I'm perfect, but I... I know who I am, and I know who he is. And uh, and we were asked to return, and I'll share something with you I've never shared. I don't know if it's a good idea or not. I'll ask Grace. She just, she did this. Pastor Michael, yay, nay, or nuance. He was unsure if he was about to share this in front of the Yeah, he was not unsure. Oh, this was all planned. (laughs) We've watched enough of the 2021 or 2020 rants best rants to know that oh this was all planned this okay so um <laughs> oh there the woman's back sorry we have listened to a lot of driscoll's at preaching at his new church uh for the patrons which i think again you'd enjoy if you signed up to win um but there is this woman 
who just dies laughing at everything all the says. time. She's and, all it's always the same woman. You can always hear her. Yeah. So she was she was dying. Um, so um, I was in one end of the house. Grace was in the other. God spoke to us both, said, you're re- released. You need to resign immediately. And God told me a trap is set. He didn't tell Grace that. So she came in. She's like, God just spoke to me. I was like, God just spoke to me. And uh, she, I said, what did you hear? She said, we're released. I said, I heard we're released. And a trap was set. It's a trap. So, again, this, this is the thing you heard from the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Um, I remember hearing this. Again, this is when he was doing the charismatic conference tour, right? This is what he told people. This is what he said uh, happened and why he left Mars Hill. So, so we walked away. Didn't defend ourselves. Took 18 months, didn't do social media, didn't do public ministry. Just wanted to heal up and be with my family and get them into safety in a very dangerous season of our life. And so during that time, I met with some of my critics and enemies. Yep. That, yeah, I mean, okay. So already it's being set up as this was very dangerous for my family and my kids. I had to get them to safety. Right. And fortunately, the severance package he was offered, uh, there was plenty of cash. How much was it? It was like, it. what was it? $400,000 yeah, or it was, something? It was like $500,000. For a uh, year, you know, for yeah. the next year. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. One-on-one or small group. So he has met. This is what's fascinating. Is he claims to have met with the, some of the critics and people who were criticizing them. None of these meetings are ever brought up in the rise and fall of Mars Hill. So, he, again, these could be totally fabricated. But again, these are the kinds of like, if this if this ever possible happened at all, these are the kinds of things like why I want to talk to Driscoll about this. Like, I want to know. Uh, I want to know about this. This is what's interesting. People that have been friends, people who claim to be Christians, some who were pastors, some who still are pastors. And I, I asked him, I said, uh, I said, God told me a trap was set. So I asked him, I said, do, do, do you know what that might be? And these people that we had known said, uh, yeah, the nuclear option was we were going to accuse you of adultery. This was at Panera, multiple meetings at Panera. Shout out, shout out Panera and their, uh, <laughs> their Sip Club subscription where you can drink unlimited coffee all day for $9.99 a month, even though that price is going to go up. Uh, that is not a paid, paid ad spot, as we've mentioned. Uh, by the way, everyone, since you can't see the video of this, this is a sermon on a study in Nehemiah somehow. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but having heard him preach this uh, series at Mars Hill, this is because Sambala and um, Tobiah were attacking Nehemiah. And that's right. He him. is Nehemiah. He is Nehemiah. And that is how this that's how this uh, story is being told. Um, you guys discussed accusing me of adultery. You know, that's not true. I've been faithful to my wife my whole life. I adore my wife. I love my wife and she loves me. We've been faithful to each other. We've been open our whole marriage about any struggles we have had because we know that every married couple has some hardship to go through. And we have never been dishonest, but we have never done that. We've never done anything remotely like that. They said, yeah, that's why we kept it as the nuclear option. I was like, to get me what? They said, to get you out of the pulpit. They said, because we knew that if we accused you of adultery and enough of us signed the open letter, 
scare quotes he scare quotes the open letter um pastor mike i think what i sent you well this clip circulated on uh twitter now a shortened version we're watching the longer version um, yeah because it, yeah i've it not seen this content. whole this this long version but when you saw the shorter the like short clip where it says we we're going to accuse you of adultery you're like man him saying that this isn't true now makes me think there's actually a <laughs> it's possibility the first it's the first time i've even thought about it yeah um now i do think i actually think um not that i want to play like critical scholar of driscoll's comments but i do think we're going to get here in a minute what i actually think um was partially uh what actually he's saying that is partially true um one thing that is um i think notable right this story is answering is answering the question to like all the people willing to go to this mega church so why why didn't you just stay there right it sounds like they were going to keep you right it sounds like you were going to be back right you were going to be back on top there in a little while if you addressed whatever problems and so this story is clearly designed to answer that question, which they only have because of the podcast. That ultimately there would be such a media firestorm that you would have to exit ministry, exit preaching God's word for probably a year while a full investigation was done. During that time, we could take over and lead and be in charge. And, and then we figured one of two things would happen. Either you would come back, but we would be in charge or you would never come back and you'd be done forever. I came home, I told God. This is what I think is actually true. And I think, I don't know if, I, well, I don't really think a lot of this is probably true, but what I actually think is true, and I think he actually believes, why were they doing this? I think he believes they all wanted control like he had control. Mm. If, and so, if it's true that he's a narcissist, that is 100%. Like how, like how a narcissist would view a situation where others are trying to get him to step down or re relinquish some authority or power or anything like that. It would always be seen in that light of like they are trying to take it, right? Like it's That's always right. paranoid. And so he – and I do think what – right? Again, I, I think it fits with the facts. We want to be in control of what's going on. You can't have the control you have, and we're going to have the control or you're going to leave. Now, do I think that Pete, I'm not saying that they had good or bad intentions, right? I'm not saying like, he's obviously making it sound like this was like them, a t you know, like a, a coup, right? Like a, yep. a badly intentioned and, and threat of slander coup, right? But I'm saying that is actually what happened, right? That he, they were, they were trying to put him in a place where he would have to be put out of ministry for a year. They, and they would let him come back if they were on top and, or he wouldn't come back. Right. That is what was happening now. Um, and I do think he, I think he truly believes it was that kind of a power struggle. Um, Grace, I was like, Oh my God. Multiple people told me that to my face on separate occasions and days. I want you to be. If, if I, I just want to say, if Mark Driscoll, uh, if you told that to Mark Driscoll, please, please, please come on the Restless Podcast. <laughs> like, if you <laughs> really exist, like, I will, like, I, I, you're not supposed to pay people. I can't pay you because you just, there are people who make this up. 
if you told Mark Driscoll this, you have to, you have to say this. Yeah, come on out. Well, so here's the thing. Like, this is what's so messy about this kind of a situation is, uh, like, it's very clear, I think, from what I can tell and based on, you know, Mark Driscoll and how he has acted ever since all of this took place, that he is primarily at fault. But we've also talked about those that were around him, how, especially with the rise and fall of Mars Hill, it just seems like nobody else was fully taking responsibility. There were a few guys on that podcast that seemed to like actually take it on and be like, okay, we had to go and like try to make things right in various ways. But most of them, it didn't seem like they were actually taking responsibility, but they were pinning it on Mark. It was like, well, yeah, he was the guy. And sure, maybe in this situation, he had become the guy. He was like the narcissistic leader at the center of it all. That seems likely. It seems possible, at least. Again, I don't, I mean, I don't like, you know, assigning maybe a full, yep, we're making our restless judgment on this because we don't have all of the inside scoop. No, We have only uh, things from the outside. But is it possible that there were some guys up at the top that did feel that kind of power struggle of this extremely large organization with lots of people. I mean, just think of like any kind of, of multinational corporation or like large companies and the struggle for power within them, you know, where we just said he had like something like a $400,000 severance package. Can they get rid of that? If they accuse him of adultery, can they like, if, if he, if something like that were to happen, is he, are they able to get out of some things like that? Right. And were there people up in the, you know, higher echelons of the church like Driscoll who would play those kinds of games? It wouldn't shock me. I have no idea. I have and, no idea, but it wouldn't even, shock me if it was true. And even whatever the level, right, there was clearly a power struggle going on, which is why this was so messy. And those are never all the way clean, right? Like, and, and again, I'm not even, I I am obviously we don't believe Driscoll here, right? Like we we're like, not defending him. We're, we're just saying we're that it's not, not as clear as they want you to believe it is. But <laughs> That's obviously awful. there was a but there was a power struggle. Yep. And and it was good, right? He needed to be brought under control. But like at a basic level, there has to be a conversation of well, what what would it take to disqualify him, right there. That conversation at some point happened. And uh, if there's a conversation like that and somebody said, what if he had an affair? Does anybody know about this? Like, could this have ha- right. been happening? Um, and maybe even some guy just said, well, if we could pin it on him or something like that. Right. And then yeah. that becomes to Driscoll when he's told about that kind of a thing, an available story to tell right right? it, it becomes right. something much bigger and different than it actually is. And we know we seem to know. Again, we don't really know anything. This is one of the right. things about this whole podcast that is right. great and as kind of a final wrap-up show to remind everybody, we know we very know little. Yep. We know Perfect. very little of what actually went on. We know what people have said went on, and sometimes that might be true. But right. we just don't – you cannot know from a distance. Right. So and- let's just you know, uh, assume, though, that maybe it wasn't quite – what Driscoll is saying. We do know, it seems anyway, from a distance that Driscoll was one to really, uh, you know, hype up stories. 
he was one to really embellish and to right. try to add to to make himself especially sound better. So here's another way that maybe it, you know, maybe some of this is kind of true, but it's embellished and, and changed. And this is such an important point. We have like 30 seconds left of this clip and we will watch it, but it we are not going to make a point more important than this. That perhaps the biggest danger of the ri- the show, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, is that we w- have all been potentially, not intentionally, by the way, mis- we are all misinformed. Right. Everyone in the world, and this is why everyone's been doing reactions to it, has been trying to learn lessons from what happened at Mars Hill. And we don't know what happened there. Right. So we're learning lessons from like we're learning. And again, it's not that you can't learn a valuable lesson. We we think there have been valuable lessons to learn. But if we're learning these lessons, we're learning lessons from stories that were told about Mark Driscoll, basically. Yep. I'm going to be your pastor, and I love you. I promise you this. I'll always tell you the truth. And I want you to... Oh, man. Run. Run, everyone. Just... I, it does just make you... May, I don't know if I've ever said that before, but when you hear it, you're just like, oh, man, he's not telling the truth. <laughs> Cackling woman, run to another funny pastor right now. We love you. Flee. <laughs> love and honor and respect Christian leaders and pastors. Don't assume the worst, assume the best. And don't believe everything you hear and don't contribute to the gossip that just takes lies and gives them life. The the old preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he once said, he said a lie can get around the world before the truth can get its shoes on. And today, every algorithm and every social media platform exists to send bad things about God's people as fast as possible, whether it's true or false. So, nah, any, my man. congregation, please don't listen to that super popular <laughs> podcast. Yeah, don't, what, definitely don't listen to that. Um, the other, the other problem, of course, is again this whole. I I could grind an axe on the whole believe the best uh, thing that Driscoll. Again, Dr- that's not a that's not a Driscoll original, baby. That is a that's a that's a bumper sticker and i'm sure there's a christian book called believe the best um well who who am i supposed to believe the best in the pastor's accusing you of things you right like sutton turner mike Co- like who do i believe the best about because all of you say everyone else is lying i don't know i don't know how to end this we got to how do you end? Yeah. How do we end something that has been so big? We've been at it now for so long. Uh, it's been obviously big as a podcast in itself. It's been big for the Restless podcast in in many different ways. Uh, we do, Mike Cosper again, we appreciate the content. Little shout out wouldn't have hurt anybody, but that's okay. We understand. And and yeah, so it is, it's, it's there. We leave with, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's lame. We leave with questions. We leave, we leave without answers. We're just asking questions. That's all we're doing of Christianity today. Maybe this is the best way to leave. Mark Driscoll, thank you for introducing me to reform theology. We would love to have you on the show. If you just want to tell the truth. 
Hey, Thank if you. you want more of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill bonus episodes, you can sign up for the Patreon that's, account. That's right. We're, we're going to start working through some of those over time. You don't have to make this the last episode of the Restless Podcast you listen to. It can just be the last one you listen to on our main feed. You can join us on Patreon. So... All we can say is, hey, thank you for everyone who's interacted with us on this. Uh, thanks for everyone who listened. Uh, it's been fun. We have plans for further things and and what we will do from here. Um, we've already said with the, the last Reformation Day, this podcast is going for another year and we're enjoying it. And so um, we hope you'll be we hope you will consider perhaps there will be other subjects we could talk about that would be interesting and helpful to you if you sign up for the patron don't forget that puts you in the drawing for the grand prize we will send you some kind of special merchandise and share the show because you also could win something 